Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Android Central Podcast. And it feels weird saying that introduction, but uh, the person who used to give it is here. Daniel Bader is back with us this week. Hello. How have you been, good sir? Uh, good. I, I didn't expect to be the first person to be introduced since I was the last person to arrive. But uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> well, you're always number one in our hearts, Bader. Oh. You know that. Also joining us is Russell Hawley, another face that we have not had on the podcast in a while. Hello. Welcome to my face voice. <laughs> That's what Facebook should have re- should have called it. <laughs> yes. Not, yes, not it wrong. is. Uh, I have this, missed both of you gentlemen. And another face we, we had on recently, but it's been a teeny little while, is Michael Fisher. Glad to have you back, sir. I'm very happy that we could get you on. Uh, I'm very happy to be here, particularly with this uh, arrangement of company, who I listen to every week and miss um, almost every week. Great to be back. <laughs> uh, yes, this is a very fun crew, and Jerry Hildenbrand is going to be rounding it out with us while we talk Pixel 6 and Meta and year-end stuff. And yes, I know it's too early for that, but there isn't a whole lot of news this week, so I thought we'd go with something a little bit more fun. Jerry, how are you doing? You, you didn't call me sir. <laughs> You called That's everyone it. else End sir, and you didn't call me sir. <laughs> Start the whole pod over. Sorry. I'm like Rodney Sorry, Dangerfield Jerry. here. I don't get any, wasn't that him? He doesn't get any respect. That's yeah. Right. God, I'm old. <laughs> you also look a bit like him now. You have my respect, Jerry, but you weren't my boss once upon a time. <laughs> it's okay. You don't have to respect me anymore. I'm not your boss anymore, so you're fine. <laughs> That's the Aww. rule. What if That's we true. never, re- never mind. Shut up, Jerry. <laughs> Alrighty, well, we've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks, and we're going to talk about some features that keep being debated and whined about online. But first, I want to say, Vader, congrats on getting your Pixel 6. You literally just got yours in like half an hour ago, right? Yeah, well, that's my Pixel 6. I've had a 6 Pro for uh, two weeks already. So I'm Ah. well-versed with the 6 Pro, but I'm excited to play with the 6 because I actually think it's a better phone. Me too. That's because you smoke something. I do. Uh, Jerry, Thank you aren't, for aren't you the one who smokes the good stuff? And you need to share, bro. Hey, we can't talk about that. <laughs> no, all, all you, all that is lies. None of it's true. I'm straight edge. <laughs> Ow! I'm I'm burning. I'm burning. I'm on fire. Ah. <laughs> uh. But yeah, Bader, I agree. I think the Pixel Six, especially with the six hundred dollar price point and. It's not as small as I'd like, but it's still small enough for me. So it's, I, I love it. I love the price tag. I love the feature set. I, I can't get enough of my Pixel 6, except I can't get to use it as often as I can because we're just so busy that I have to spend all day on my laptop and not my phone. Yeah, I transitioned to the 6 Pro from the 6. So I'm also in on the reverse uh, order of that. And I, I, I weirdly miss the 6. I like the Pro a lot. It's a very smooth and exciting device and whatever, but... Uh, there was something about the six that had uh, that has an interesting character that the pro seems to lack. I feel like the the six stands out a little bit more. Maybe it's just those bezels that everyone else besides me hates. But I, I love the look. I love the feel. I wish it was smaller, but it is the smaller of the two. So yeah, I, I, I'm I'm a six guy myself. I just only had the choice of one, so the one I picked is therefore going to be the best one. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> sure. I mean, I love the telephoto on the six pro. Don't get me wrong, but sure. I haven't used it that much because I usually only go leave the apartment with one phone and the Pixel 6 is just the better daily driver for me. The 6 Pro is just too big and too unwieldy for my petite hands, even with a pop socket. It's just too big. 
We were a bunch of us read a manufacturer briefing in New York City here the other day, and that 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 sentiment was said a few times when I was just catching up with people. I was like, "My, that's." I think it was Miriam who said, "Did you the six Pro is bigger than the S twenty one Ultra?" And I was like, "I hadn't thought of it, but it, it is. It's a, just like a refrigerator." Wait, really? Yeah, and in, in, in at least one dimension, I forgot. The, uh, this manufacturer had calipers on the table for some reason, even though they weren't announcing a particularly thin <laughs> phone. <laughs> so we were measuring um, measuring the thickness of each other's phones like you do when you are 30 nerds in a room. Uh, so for the Pixel 6, there's a couple of issues people have been having, and I wanted to go around the room and see who's been having what of these and if they think they're an actual issue or just things that need to be ironed out or if it's just how the phone is. And I want to start with the one that has gotten the most attention in the last two weeks, which is the fingerprint sensor. So a lot of people just absolutely hate the sensor, especially on the 6 Pro, even though they both use the same sensor. But they people are disliking the Pixel 6's fingerprint sensor because it takes longer. And Google came out this week and said, hey, it, it takes longer because we use like hardware-based security features for our fingerprint sensor and we want it to be secure. And then they also came out and said, well, if you're having issues with your fingerprint sensor, only buy one of these screen protectors, except only one of them is actually available right now, which is not great. And, you know, that's an answer nobody likes to hear, but I will give credit to Google for just coming out, owning it, explaining it clearly and then they're done they've they've you know done the pontius pilot washed their hands that's it that's the end that's the end of the story complain if you like but that's it that's usually not something google does i i wanted i was actually excited to get your take on this jerry because is what google's saying actually true or is there it's like is it more secure in any meaningful way than the optical sensor in the oneplus nine pro Yes, yes, but it's, you know, where is the point of diminishing returns? The the optical sensor on any other phone is probably good enough. The ultrasonic sensor is good enough. Uh, the the what Google is doing with the uh, what is the Titan Module Two and the trusted environment they've built? Uh, yeah, it's more secure. Is it worth waiting a little longer? That That's for you to decide. Uh, I'm just happy that it actually works. I have problems with the ultrasonic fingerprint sensor, and we talked about that last week, and it just doesn't work very well for me. This one's slow, but it actually does work, so I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I mean, so three things are, are true when it comes to the fingerprint sensor on either of the uh, pixels for, for this year. The first is that... Uh, these optical sensors are just still not as good as their uh, as their previous counterparts. Like the in-screen sensors are just not 100% there yet no. compared to what what you had before. That that first thing is just inescapable. The second is that Google has uh, a uphill messaging battle when it comes to privacy, uh, and it took uh, that that message for for this generation of phones in order to make it very very clear that it was offering a secure environment. Uh, that was in several ways more capable than what Apple is currently offering in order to to kind of combat the the negativity surrounding Google and privacy over the last couple of years, in particular related to its hardware. The third is that Google did just the worst job messaging this uh, out of the box. 
Um, you know, there, there was no attempt to expectation set. There was no uh, effort on behalf of Google to make sure that people were buying the right screen protectors when these things were first being sold. Um, you know, that like generally speaking, the messaging on this has been really bad and kind of endemic of the problem that we've had for a while now with, with Google as a retailer um, is that it, it is just not a complete thought yet. Yeah, no, the the coming out with the, okay, we have made for Google screen protectors now and you have to buy one of these if you want to make sure that it'll work properly with your phone. Samsung said that, but yeah, saying it up front is important because once you get a screen protector on, especially a tempered glass screen protector on, you don't want to pull that up unless it breaks. Well, and that that message uh, ha- has only really cr- crystallized in the last week. If you walked into Google's New York store, which I did last Friday to pick up my Pixel 6, uh, the the people there were just like, oh, yeah, any screen protector is fine. Hmm. And more importantly, thank you for telling me that you're you're in town. I appreciate it, Russell. It's great to see I'm you. I'm also going to be here. in town this Friday, but uh, no, I was there for late. four and a half hours. friendship is so. ruined. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> four hours. That is a very short trip. <laughs> yeah, I drove for longer than I was in the city. It was great. Oh. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, I mean, the, the, the bottom line there is that Google didn't have kind of a solid message behind this or how to, you know, make sure that people had the correct accessories for it. Uh, you know, there was, there was not enough testing done early on to make sure that the manufacturing partners who are making these accessories had the right guidance to, uh, supply those products in the first place. Like that Google, uh, made the phone and then put the phone out and said, let's see what happens next. Um, when it comes to, to some of this stuff and, and now they're playing catch up and it's to, to Jerry's point, it is good that they kind of stepped out and said, yep, this is how this works. These are the ways that you solve this. Um, but man, it would have been really nice if they had had that, like on the day that people actually bought the phone. Yeah, I, I, I can agree with that. It's, it wouldn't have been a problem at all had they said something from the beginning, but I'm still impressed with Google finally owning a problem, but they, I would argue that Google hasn't owned the problem because the way everybody found out about it was through a customer service representative replying to somebody on Twitter. And that yielded the news cycle that then disseminated the information, right? Google didn't actually explain what Russell had said, which is that this is an optical sensor that won't work with the average $10 Amazon screen protector like every other optical sensor, nor did it say why the, the sensor itself is slower until like two weeks into the phone cycle and thousands of people had already had bad experiences with it. Google expected people to know that from obscure blog posts they wrote about the Titan module. And I agree. You can't no, infer nobody, that. They, they right. never actually singled out. They talked no, about they the didn't. Titan being the reason for increased security on the phone in general. But that it applied to the to the fingerprint sensor, you know, like we're all smart people, and yet that was never something we could take for granted because they put a good ex- in optical fingerprint sensor in here, right? Like we've had five years of experience with this thing, and for the most part, it's pretty damn fast and pretty damn reliable. And there's no explicit reason why this would be slower, even if Google's saying that the Titan's doing something to double check your authentication. I think in some cases, like the, the speed uh, in which it unlocks is uh, is really kind of more of like a super phone nerd thing. Uh, even if you you drop it back one step, you know, to, to sort of more casual phone owners who are just excited about the Google ecosystem, 
you know, I'm, I was at a bar two weeks ago. There was two guys at the table that I was at who were very excited about their brand new Pixel 6 and another guy at the table who was, uh, had a OnePlus uh, 9T that he'd had for, for quite some time. And the, the two guys sitting at the table, uh, you know, the, the failure rate for the, uh, the fingerprint unlock um, was uh, something like, uh, you know, 60% um, as they're sitting there trying to get this thing to work. And both of them had screen protectors on their phone. Uh, but the guy with the OnePlus 9T who also had a screen protector on his phone is, you know, like all day long unlocking his phone with no problem. And trying to explain to someone that the issue was that the fingerprint sensor on this phone is somehow more finicky uh, than this other phone that is less expensive um, is is a challenge under the best of conditions. You know the the, the and and that's that's a weird thing. I think it's that it was more finicky. I think it's that Google set the uh, failure rate higher. I think it's that. No, I mean they, that's they... that's absolutely true. But like, well, that's why it's finicky, right? You're like trying to explain that to someone who is a casual owner of this phone. Uh, especially when they're sitting next to someone who has, again, a less expensive uh, phone that has been out for longer uh, that does not have that issue. Like it, it is challenging to look at that person and go, hey, that $700 phone you just bought, uh, you know, it's it's a it appears to be a little slower and not quite as accurate for your protection. Hey, let me ask everybody here something. Uh, should Google have said that Yes, it's slower. That's because it's more secure than what our trusted and valuable partners offer. They, you know, they didn't say that. They they kind of inferred it, but that could have been a thirty second slide and would have solved most of Google's messaging problem. Yeah, right but there. do does Google throw its partners under the bus like that or not? It doesn't even have to say partners in there. Just we want to be more secure. We want to be. We want your phone to be the most secure it can be. So we only accept the best fingerprint reads and sorry that means that sometimes your finger is going to take longer i mean so we've we've done this with uh google's already done this with face unlock right like the face unlock was do you want it to be fast or do you want it to be good yeah uh and and you get to choose between those two things and there's no reason fired uh maybe Uh, again it, it it ends up entirely being kind of a messaging thing you know do you want the phone to unlock quickly or do you want to know that you meet a certain set of security standards uh, in order to to do something, I think it is you know what you said earlier, uh, Jerry, was that you know that this was um, that this was something that uh, that you know was was not kind of um, well explained that it was for your safety and that there's kind of diminishing returns in in someone's security and and that's why the Face ID stuff uh, changed the way that it did and it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, to see Google do something similar with the fingerprint at some point to say, you know, you have options. You can either unlock the phone really quickly or you can know that your phone is the most secure phone that you can buy. Michael Bader, what do you think? It would have been better for Google to come out and say this is what makes our phone more secure than other people's or not. So one assumes, and maybe this is a bad assumption, but one assumes that if you're upgrading to the Pixel 6, you've owned a pixel before right um mm-hmm. most pixel owners are pre previous pixel owners at this point um i know this cycle google's trying for net new um mm-hmm. market share but I, I i would say like the vast majority of pixel owners probably bought a pixel one or two if that's the case i think google should have been proactive because the pixel imprint sensors have always been extremely reliable and extremely fast right they've it's been 
you could take that for granted. Russell mentioned the aberration, which was the Pixel 4, and the fact that it shipped without that eye-tracking feet, uh, the, the certification that made sure you had your eyes open. And that was, I think, updated two or three months after launch. And that was a criticism baked into it because ostensibly it was way more secure and they used 3D face tracking, but it was pretty easy to unlock somebody's phone if they were sleeping, which kind of negated some of those advantages. Still, face, un- face unlock was super fast, and I still think it's one of the best implementations of any secure biometric on Android. So this is objectively the worst biometric experience we've had on a Pixel, I would say. So if Google is going to justify that by, as Ara said, like using the fact that it has a higher threshold for failure as a feature, not a bug, then it should have come out and said that, yes. I think it would have been, it would have gone a long way to alleviating our concerns as reviewers and it may have done something to change the perspective as reviews came out and people were like, there's a reason this is super slow and sometimes unreliable, as opposed to just WTF, mate, my phone is broken. And then Russell's <laughs> friends in the bar wouldn't have had that. He would have been able to say, well, actually, Google told me on the record, this is the reason for XYZ. That's just my theory. It's my preferred lead in to a conversation strangers are having as well, actually. It makes me a lot of friends. No, I, you know, I think there, you guys are all making really great points. Um, I keep coming back to the fact that, yes, I had, I had and have similar issues with the fingerprint sensor on both units. Um, it is definitely subpar from my perspective. It is a little bit of an annoyance. But it is so far outweighed by the rest of the device and my my pleasure with the rest of the device. And I think that yeah. probably will track for, for most regular folks as well that I don't know that Google needs to lose uh, a, a lot of sleep over how it's positioning its response to this. I think, th- again, great suggestions, but I don't think this is going to make or break the phone. Not to make excuses for it, but... Yeah. My, my, my thought on the matter is if Google wants to sell phones and they're positioning the Pixel team as being a, a different brand than the Android team, they should have totally thrown Samsung, OnePlus, et cetera, under the bus. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> yeah. ours, ours is more secure than theirs, period. That's something they could have just done from the beginning. And it gotten a lot certainly, of phone calls. Yeah, the, the, the other companies wouldn't have liked it, but that that's a solution that Google didn't use. And and while also, we're on uh, fingerprints, remember, <laughs> the police can force you to put your finger on the screen. That's why I don't use them. Fingerprints should be your uh, your username, not your password. I love you, Russell. I mm. always have, and this, these are the reasons why. Uh, I can slap in six digits for a pin just as fast as waiting for the Does any phone sensor. allow you to do that? Does any phone allow you to do double authentication where you do a fingerprint and then a pin? No, but I think that would be really no. cool. That would be awesome. That would be or nice. If it was, or like fingerprint and face. Yeah, um, right. Just anything that's like, you know, your your fingerprint should be your identifier, not your way of accessing something. Yep. That's mm. just. Yep. I also want to just uh, go back to what Michael was saying. I actually have not had a bad experience with the fingerprint sensor. Like, yes, it's Neither objectively slower than a OnePlus 9 Pro, but it's in line with the speed of Samsung's second-gen um, ultrasonic sensor, which I still don't like because there's no haptic feedback and it still feels weirdly flat to me. Um, mm-hmm. 
So I'll actually take this one over a Galaxy S21 Ultra unlock experience most days. But I was just saying in in regards to like the messaging, Google could have gotten ahead of this if it had, it, it, it should have known the way people would have reacted. We're going to react. And if it, it did enough QA yeah. with the sensor and, you know, dog fed it to enough Googlers, it should have known that it wasn't as fast as other optical sensors and that p- reviewers would have picked up on it. Well, yeah, I mean, so there's, to, to be clear, my criticism was far more uh, people who bought screen protectors and then found that there were failure rates. Not very rarely yeah. do, I, do I listen to anyone who's like, it's too slow because like you're talking about degrees of seconds and I don't have time for you at that point. Yeah, um, that's, but, that's uh, absolutely but yeah, right. like the the weird, uh, you know, like there were pixel like sold on Amazon, you know, pixel six screen protectors. And if you bought them and used them, then your screen protector, your, your fingerprint sensor effectively stopped working. Uh, and and that is that is a terrible experience uh, with with very little warning from Google. Hey, you know, I don't know what I just realized. This isn't new for Google. Uh, nope. We went through this with charging cords for the first pixel. Mm-hmm. You you had to use the right one, and Google didn't tell anybody that until it was too late. So I I guess they just don't learn, and I gave them credit where I shouldn't have. Well, we're also going through the charging cable nonsense again with the Pixel 6 because of the charging speed. Outrage? Confusion? Confusion. That's a lot of people who don't understand how electronics work, but yes. Yes, but that's, Russell, be fair. That was my first thought, too. But should you have to know how electronics work to charge your phone? Uh, See, Bader, you you did Uh, rub off on me. uh, Here's here's the thing, Jerry. the uh, the Pixel Six, uh, when it comes to charging, does exactly what Google said it was going right. to do on stage. When you plug and it in, it will charge in thirty minutes to exactly the number that Google said it was going to. Google never said this thing charges at this rate. Uh, at that that was never a claim that Google made. People inferred that from the speed of uh, uh, the. I'm sorry, from the wattage on the charger in the box, uh, and never made the follow up question. Uh, to to Google about what performance to expect. So like I I see this as an entirely separate non-issue. The the phone does exactly what Google said it was going to do as far as charging. Right. And and most of me just doesn't care about this entire issue because of that. But I also believe that Google showed me a new 30 watt charger and told me that the Pixel 6 would charge to 50% in 30 minutes. I assumed they meant with that new charger, just like everyone else did. So they 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 got me just like they got everyone else. So at that point, I figured, well, maybe it's worth talking about. I have warring emotions about this every time I charge my Pixel. Because, well, first of all, I charge it wirelessly, so it's oh god, barely I'll have to see worry it in about a week. The, like yeah. like a gladiator. <laughs> That's right. Um, but it, you know, when it, you have to use the cable, like I'm always so grateful to use a OnePlus phone or a, an Oppo phone or it's any Huawei. Any of these companies that are doing this crazy rapid charging, especially when I'm on a trip and I have 20 minutes after arriving on my flight in the hotel room, I got to change. I got to go do something else and I can get 70 percent back in 20 minutes, whatever. It's amazing. But then I think, well, if I bought this thing, if I bought the Pixel 6 and even though I didn't spend very much, I want that to last for maybe two or three years. I don't want to be cooking and roasting a battery with rapid charge every time I want to do it. So now maybe that's good. And, you know, you've got the toggle switch in there. So I'm very divided about this, but I have to admit I did find it needlessly slow the first time I tried to top up my Pro, and I was like, man, I've, 
I've eaten a meal and a half, and this thing is still not full. My my only problem is the second 50% of your battery. Yeah. Oh, my God. It takes forever. And, and yes, Google does it to extend the life of the battery, keep the phone cool, whatever. That's all fine. That's great. Uh, Google is a $2 trillion company. If OnePlus can sort that out to not destroy a battery by charging it, the second 50% as fast as it can. Yeah. I expect and, Google to be uh, able yeah. to but do it. Do, but do hang on. Thing, like, give me the toggle. Like, you make, make the hardware capable of rapid charging and then give me the option to toggle it. Or, or Samsung does that now, too. Sorry, Russell. I don't disagree with the, the toggle concept, but I, uh, I also don't know that there's enough evidence to suggest that OnePlus phones do last as long as Google wants these phones to last. Because uh, remember, Google's Google's whole jam with the Pixel 6 announcement was that this phone could, in theory, last you for five years. Mm. And uh, show me a OnePlus, what would be at this point, a OnePlus 2, a uh, OnePlus 3 owner who is still using their phone. I, I don't actually believe they exist unless they bought it secondhand. Well, can we go back to where you should be an electronics expert? Because I am pretty sure that a one plus eight and above is doing a pretty good job with the second 50 percent of the battery because i understand how charge pumps work and multi-cell batteries google did not do that and i don't know why sure it would have you know what i'd pay 50 dollars more for a pixel if it could charge from zero to 50 percent in 30 minutes and then to full in an hour and 15 Google didn't even, it seems like they didn't even consider adding better power management and a better circuitry inside the Pixel 6 when it comes to charging. Uh, I'm sure it's they have possible. their reasons, but I don't know. I would have liked to have seen it. But didn't the didn't the Pixel 5 only charge to 18 watts under USB PD? Every previous Pixel only charged to eighteen uh, only charged at eighteen watts under power delivery. Right. This is the first Pixel to charge above the standard nine volt uh, nine volt two amp. Yeah, so this is technically so, the fastest better. charging Pixel, right? And I, I what, what's really interesting though, and I, I just want to go back to what Russell was saying because when you think about this critically, like you're you're right, and there's two sides to this argument. So on the one hand, Google never mentioned thirty watts aside from the optional charger that you can buy. And even on that page does not claim to charge the Pixel 6 at 30 watts. It just says we would yeah. charge it at up to 30 watts if your phone supports that under PPS. But what's really frustrating to me is if you go into the Pixel 6 um, landing page on Google's website and you go down to the fine print, under 6 it says fast, wires char- fast wire charging rates are based on the use of the 30-watt USB charger plugged into a wall socket. It doesn't mention anything about maximum charging speeds. But then under number seven, it explicitly says wireless charging rates up to 21 watts for the Pixel 6 and 23 watts for the Pixel 6 Pro. So that is, I believe, purposeful obfuscation, right? There is a reason it does not say maximum charging speeds of 23 watts with wired charging using the 30-watt charger. And I believe it was to avoid the negative implication of selling a 30-watt PPS charger and not having the phone utilize that maximum wattage. And I, I just think they, they were like, maybe we can get away with this, and they never did. I think it is super cool that in the span of 20 minutes, we can go from Google is really bad at messaging this thing to Google did such a good job messaging this thing that it pissed a bunch of people off. 
that's still bad messaging. I don't think that was. I don't think it was good messaging. I I think they just intentional is the word. Right? Basically, just decided not to say anything and hoped it was good messaging, which is, in my opinion, not the same thing. Well, if you're if you don't know anything about this. Uh, just know that your your Pixel Six Pro, I haven't tested a regular Pixel Six, will eat twenty six watts of power on very rare occasions for the first fifty percent. Usually, it hovers around twenty three. I have meters and shit here that I've just tested this with because it's the kind of stuff I love. But after that, everything just goes really slow. Your phone stays nice and cool, and it takes about an hour to get the other thirty percent. And that doesn't matter what charger, what charger you buy. If you still have the old charger from your Pixel 5 or if you bought a Samsung 18-watt charger or whatever, your phone is going to charge about eight minutes slower. So it's going to take, you know, 38 minutes to get to 50%, and the rest is the same. Before you spend $27, whatever it is, at Google on a 30-watt charger – Look at Amazon or eBay or Best Buy or wherever you shop online. That amount of money will get you a whole lot better charger. Sorry, Google, but it will. Yep. I was Not also going to say for for this charging, especially for like if if I'm at if if at the end of the day I'm at like fifty five or sixty percent, and I just want to get my phone up to like eighty or eighty five before I go to the parks for four hours, and you know don't want my battery to die while I'm waiting for fireworks. My phone isn't hot because I haven't really been using it that much all day. I want the phone to get to a reasonable speed charging that. And once it hits a certain thermal barrier, then you can slow it down. I don't get just keeping it at a trickle charge just because the phone is at 60% and it will only trickle charge over X percent. I think that more or less goes to the the toggle that uh, that uh, our beloved Mr. Mobile was suggesting a moment ago. Ooh. Well, I thought he was talking about the one that's already in there and the adaptive uh, the adaptive charging toggle. It doesn't matter if that's on or off. If you're over 50%, that's what it charges at. Right, which diminishes the usefulness of the toggle. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> well, the toggle is only about overnight charging. That's the only thing the adaptive charging is about. It's right. about, and oh, the, if you and- put your phone on a charger after 10 or 11 p.m., it won't charge any higher than 80% until whenever your alarm is the next morning. Which is smart. I just want more granular control. I want a, I want a gas pedal. I, you know yes. what? I, I don't think that setting works anyway. Really? My, my testing really? shows it does not matter. I can have that on and sit on a Friday night and, you know, at 3 o'clock in the morning and look over and my phone's still charging at, you know, 13, 14 watts and it's... 93, 94%. Uh, maybe that's my unit. I don't know, but I, I haven't seen that toggle working at all. I have a Pixel 3a that sits next to a Bluetooth speaker that to play uh, white noise at night for my daughter. And it stays at 80% permanently. Like it'll never go above 80%. So, hmm. I mean, that I think is what this toggle is effectively trying to do, right? Right. It's to keep the battery... If you charge it to 99.9%, then stop charging, it'll immediately have to start charging again if you want to maintain right. a full battery. So keeping it at 80% is a lot smarter. Yeah, like I'm I'm not arguing it's not better for the battery, but if your phone is cool, it should be able to charge as quickly as it can 
And then once it heats up, it slows down. Era, and Google I, I isn't doing that. At that point, you're entering into how the thermal protection is on the Pixel and a whole lot of variables like where you live, uh, what the temperature is, if you have a case on it. And maybe Google doesn't want the experience to be different for everyone because it would be, you know, outside of giving you a fast charge, slow charge toggle switch like what Michael wants. Yeah, I mean, Jerry, you live in the swamp, basically. So yes, you know, it's always be, humid here, even when it's cold. <laughs> you, and you'd never, you'd never get to one hundred percent in that case. Yeah. Um, living in Florida, I mean, and, and you always keep a case. I know, on I'm your just phone. making a Washington DC. Yeah, yeah. Your your, your phone, Aaron, oh. your phone would get <laughs> exponentially more hot than any of ours. Yeah. To to do that, and maybe that's a experience Google doesn't want people to have. That doesn't mean it's bad. These phones never get too hot. Uh, who is it? Uh, Artem, formerly of Android Police, showed a, a screenshot of some app he used that showed the battery temperature is 104 degrees. That sounds crazy, but that's a whole lot cooler than the air that comes out of the back of your laptop. Yeah, this phone does get real hot, though. Like I've done, I've done a few Diablo Immortal sessions where after half an hour, I, I need to take my left hand off the back of the phone because it's so uncomfortable. Yep. I, I, I haven't agree had that, that the back, in a while on other The phones. back of the phone gets hotter than we're used to. And, you know, I mean, Google never came out and said why. I looked into it. I know why. And that's because the display is not a heat sink. Mm. Samsung wisely uses the display to dissipate heat. So you have half the heat coming out of the display of your phone half the heat coming out of the back and both sides are only half as warm as the pixel six gets, huh. you know, that that's smart, but it makes it very difficult to repair. The pixels a little easier to repair, but the screen is doing nothing to dissipate any heat. It's all coming out of that one corner in the back. Interesting. I didn't realize that the display was a heat sink on any phone. That's, that's uh, heat very sink is the, cool. Dairy. Heat yeah. sink is a word I'm using. So people will understand it's not, the heat sink, but it does make contact it has, it has with heat, heat plates. Right. right. And and the screen, the display is glued in a way to make contact with them so heat can radiate out through the display on most high output phones. Samsung says, I was just looking at my notes on this from the call I had with them on the Fold 3 launch. They use graphite sheets to do heat dissipation on the foldables. Do you know if that uh do you know if that applies to the foldables too? I'm not sure, but I can look into it. I you know what? I'm gonna Love guess that it doesn't because you wouldn't want it to use the display to dissipate heat if you have it closed. Right, exactly. And they get so real hot anyway. I, I'm going to guess they're not doing that on foldables. Yeah. But I know the like the S21, yeah. That's why your display may feel a little warm, but it never gets hot. And likewise, the back of the phone never gets hot. It just gets warm. Fascinating. Looking at the tweet that Bader sent. Yeah, I didn't quite understand this either. This was Andre uh, from Andre F. Andre from Minescu from uh, uh, Anantech, and he posted something in October, just comparing the, um, I guess hollowness of the the mm -hmm. displays between the Pixel Six Pro and the S twenty one Ultra. Yep, and he says you also know what this means for thermals, which is yeah. what I just described. Uh, Andre, I figured that was the same thing. 
Yeah, he didn't come out and say it because he has 80 characters in a tweet. I quite like that the first response is exactly what I needed, which is somebody saying, I don't know what that means for thermals. I don't know what floating panel means. I don't know what mid-frame fully bonded all means. <laughs> and a lot came, of what Andre uh, says, I need the translation <laughs> for. <laughs> I love engineers. Me too. <laughs> and I, I will say, I've noticed Samsung phones get warm if I use them for a long period of time, and that gets uncomfortable for me. So I like that the Pixel 6 screen stays cool because... If the case gets a little warm, I can hold it by the edges and it won't feel as warm. If the front of the screen feels warm to me, like uncomfortably warm to me, I can't use the phone. The the only issue I can see, and I've not done any testing in this area, so take this with a grain of salt. Era, you use a case. I do not use a case. I feel my phone. It's much warmer than I'm used to. You don't necessarily feel it as being warmer because your case is insulating it. But it's also trapping the heat, which means the processor is thermally throttling more and faster than it is on mine. Well, most of my cases have air cushion technology. So that means there's still air channels in the back of the phone that can help dissipate the heat. It's not being stuck immediately between the silicone and the and the phone. It, but it's still trapping a whole lot more heat than not using a case. True. And uh, I don't know that that would be something you'd actually notice. The Pixel 6 throttles a lot. Anyway, it just does. It it throttles a lot. So maybe it wouldn't make a meaningful difference. I don't know. I haven't tested it, but there is a, you know, a physical, actual mathematical difference. We've been talking a lot about how this phone gets warm. I'm actually really curious. We're about two weeks away from me being able to do this test. Uh, but one of my favorite things to do with uh, all of the phones that I am testing uh, towards the middle of November is to put them on my bike and go for a ride and see which one of them stay on. Um, because ah. it will uh, it will start to drop below 40 when I go and do my morning bike rides. Uh, and uh, the iPhone has been guilty of this for a very long time. And uh, Samsung's kind of hit or miss. Um, depending on on kind of the position of the phone and, and whatnot, but uh, but yeah, it is it's super common um, for some of these phones to uh, when it gets below a certain temperature threshold, the battery goes, hey, we don't have charge anymore, and it turns off until the phone warms up, and then mm. uh, the uh, the battery turns itself back on. Yeah, maybe maybe the Pixel Six will stay warm enough that that never happens. I was about to say, I'm actually kind of curious uh, to see how the how the Pixel Six handles this. Keep it in like your hoodie front pocket and you could use it as a hand warmer in the dead of winter <laughs> or hold it against your car windshield and it can defrost it. See, this This is Google thinking outside the box. Yeah, I'm not going to say that this was deliberate, but. Yeah, but that only works for cold locales, not, you know, the subtropics. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. I've got to charge the battery for my Aurora jacket before it gets cold. No. <sighs> Nerd. Your jacket has a battery? My jacket's got a battery and heating coils. Ah. Does it have RGB? (laughs) (laughs) I think they're introducing that this generation. I think that's going to be the 2021 special, yeah. Is it Snapdragon powered or is it MediaTek powered? (laughs) I think it's got a tensor in it. MediaTek's in everything. (laughs) Yeah. All righty. Well, before we reach the end, I want to get like your overall... Do y'all still... Even with all the flaws with the marketing, the flaws with the heat and charging choices that Google has made, do you still think this is one of the better Android phones we've seen this year? Because I do. Because I I love this thing. I love the price. And I'm really hoping that more people are willing to try it this year. So 
I mean, we've spent a lot of time talking about things that we have simultaneously said are essentially non-issues, um, that are things that are kind of like minor frustrations. And we've spent almost an hour talking about these kind of minor frustrations. I do want to take a minute and say that this is hands down the best phone that I've used in two years. Mm-hmm. Um, that that the the phone, it's uh, Android 12 um, does a beautiful job interpreting my needs. Um the the way that the interface can be personalized to to me is quite honestly a revelation for my personal use. Um, it does take some work, and I can see how it's confusing to someone who isn't used to kind of spending time, uh, more or less letting Google get to know you, um, in order to to kind of better serve you as a as a as a phone. But man, is is it nice to have this combination of hardware and software genuinely feel like it was designed for me uh, in, in just about every way that I use it. Um, and that, that, is, that is just not something I can say about other phones that I almost always have to kind of bend myself to enjoy. Um, the, the, the combination of hardware and software here genuinely feels like it was made with me in mind. And that is, that is a thing that I deeply appreciate. A hundred and 10% agree with you. Like, I have thoroughly enjoyed almost every moment with this phone. And one of the things that I I wanted to say was Nick's article that he wrote about how it's just the best phone for parents is so true because Face on Blur is a meaningful addition to this phone that I legitimately is, I think is is like a game-changing feature that you don't even have to think about. Um, it has saved a bunch of photos of my daughter that would have been blurry and unusable inside and outside. And like that alone to me makes that makes this worth the price of admission. Yeah, I mean, the photo modes are amazing. I haven't had as much chance for face and blur just because I don't go to the parks with other people that often. But the action modes, just being able to go and be like, oh, hey, the monorail's going by, click and have that action, uh, that long exposure and have it look blurry. Or to go the opposite way and take a photo and make everything except like the train or the ride vehicle blurry, but that's in perfect crystal clear clarity. That's amazing. All the yeah. photo stuff on the Pixel 6 is amazing, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Especially when like things like the fingerprint sensor, I use smart lock. So I only have to put in my fingerprint three times a day if I'm lucky. I always forget that exists. Everybody forgets that exists. And that is hilarious considering how many people wear like smartwatches these days. If you're wearing a smartwatch, it can keep your phone unlocked so long as you stay within like 10 or 20 feet. Ara, we have lived a very long time where the disconnect between the computer we have on our wrist and the computer that Google has put in our pocket has been about four miles uh, because Google's been so bad at wearables. So you will forgive me for forgetting that some, <laughs> something so cool exists because every other aspect of having a Google Watch on my wrist for the last, I don't know, five years has been just the worst. Um, so you're totally right. And I really should turn that on when I wear a Google Watch, which is almost never. Well, you don't have to have it be a watch. It can do the same thing with some fitness trackers and it'll do it with your headphones too. Like I set the stereo in my car to be one. So that way my phone will stay unlocked if I get to a traffic light and I can stop and be like, okay, I need to find a new destination. I think, I think Fisher's the only other one here on this call. I think actually, no, Bader used one too. That, that company that was making the fitness ring. Yeah. Aura. Yeah. The no, Aura yeah. Ring. Before then. Um, no, there, yeah, Mot- there was motive. another one. I don't remember who it was. Motive, motive was the company. That's right. It was yep. the Motive Ring. Yeah. Um, 
man, I wish we had a new version of that. Oh yeah, yeah well, Aura I really like that is the thing. one that uh, Aura is the the closest thing you can get to it now. Yeah. I could print you one, Russell. We just need a little no. MediaTek chip to put in. <laughs> <laughs> I think we you know. I mean, when it comes back to the Pixel, like I I, I feel uh, we're always we always have to fight against this thing of being out of touch, right? I have to look at things not through a reviewer's lens, but uh, I will say, as a reviewer, the Pixel Six reporting on it is is a relief. Because so often when a phone is this good, you have to like kind of prepare yourself over the course of either 3,000 words or eight minutes or whatever the, for, for the end where you say, well, it, it's, it's a great phone, but you got to prepare your wallet. And the fact that Google has taken that burden off of uh, people like us uh, this round is, is just so nice. I can say this phone really is really great. Despite the fact that if you want, you can talk about the little inconveniences for an hour, as we've done to your yeah. point, Russell. Um, but it, it's so great. And also, you're only going to spend 600 or you know $900 on it. And that's maybe it's just me because I've been talking about foldables for like two years and everything's $2,000 or $1,500. But what a what a what a lovely moment and, and yeah. what a lovely surprise to be able to hit people with and say, you know, you really don't have to break the bank if you want, particularly the six. Um, and, and I think that's that's wonderful. And I'm enjoying it while it lasts. It is. I just really wish that that wor- point worked on my father because I'm like, hey, this this is a flagship phone. It's amazing. I love using it. And it's only six hundred dollars. And my dad just went, nope, that's still too expensive for me. Not well, looking to spend is, that I, much money. Your dad is absolutely right. That's too much money, but it's still the cheapest great phone you're ever going to find. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like if my dad's phone dies, I'm buying him pixels pixel six and not telling him how much i paid for it uh-huh. you know what i think of the six and the six pro I'm, I'm disappointed and not for the reason you think i so wanted it to be a train wreck i fully <laughs> expected google's what? first foray into making well designing they don't make it designing their own processor and putting it in their own phone i was just salivating at how messed up this was going to be at launch and how it was going to be so broken and so many things were going to be wrong with it. And that's a perfectly I was normal wrong. thing to say. Well, yeah, <laughs> you, you, you know me. I just, I, you know, that's what I expected because this is hard. This is really hard. And Google pulled it off. And I don't know. I just don't have anything to complain about. I mean, the instant voice typing alone is worth an extra 50 or 75 bucks because Tensor doing that is better than any other no, phone i have ever tried voice typing on i really hate it i wanted to like it so much <laughs> and it tries to guess at my punctuation and it puts periods in the middle of every freaking sentence and then when i try and tell it to put a period somewhere it doesn't get it i loved it for an hour and now i hate it so hard but oh I like it doesn't try punctuation for me at all i uh, have to tell it all punctuation so that makes it easier for me just yeah. don't use punctuation like me and, and then it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah in your articles well, too well, the thing with the <laughs> Google, the thing with the assistant voice typing is just that you can't have any long pauses because if it hears a right. pause, it thinks period. Like, I'm sorry. I have to think when I'm composing a sentence by voice as I'm walking down the street, like Microsoft did the same thing. Google replicated a Windows phone error from 10 years ago. Stop. Stop. Stop trying to guess my punctuation. That Those had three periods right after the other. So, yeah. You know, I yeah. should have turned on my Pixel 6 for I that. Should have, I, I can actually teach Google how to inf- <laughs> in- interpret your, uh, your, your vocalizations. It's, no, you know what? It's all exclamation so points, and it's all, um, you know, blurred out swear words, essentially. We need to build um, 
custom machine learning models for all of our friends and then upload them to the cloud <laughs> and have an yes. ongoing database of it so that Google's better at interpreting it. How well, great yes. would that be like in real life for for you to create some kind of software where your friends uh, your friends could submit their interpretation of your speech <laughs> be like, like with that, without your edit uh, in, in any way, just like, hey, uh, you know, here's here's a sentence that I have said into the world, uh, you know, punctuate it in this in this web form. Uh, the way that you think I intended. I I think that would be a wild kind of thought experiment. That's the only metaverse that could be a I want. Really fun. That would that could actually be kind of a fun social type game. It's like, okay, up say something to Google and then send it to like three or four of your of your friends and see which one of them can actually like punctuate or understand what you're saying. It would be fun. I, I would find that genuinely entertaining. Next IO game. Yeah, no matter what I said, it would just say, hey, y'all, look at this. F-bomb, F-bomb, F-bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, well, we have now spent almost an hour talking about the Pixel 6, so we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and talk about Meta, because there's there's so many yeah. things to say about Meta, and then we're going to talk about some year-end wrap-up stuff. So we'll be right back. There's never been a better time to become a programmer, and with Codecademy, you can learn to code on your own terms. Simply put, Codecademy is the best way to learn to code online. They not only teach you job-ready coding skills, but also help you build unique projects for your portfolio, earn certificates, and even prep for technical interviews. If you've ever considered a career change, especially now as more coding jobs are becoming all remote and allow a greater degree of personal flexibility, Codecademy gives you the chance to learn the coding languages and skills you need to find a better paying job you want without having to spend years going back to college. You can learn at your own pace, slow or fast as you like. You can get qualified for in-demand jobs in as little as two months, learning everything from building and maintaining websites to data analysis. And it's not just you staring at page after page of notes to memorize. Codecademy lets you learn by doing. And if something doesn't work, you can get instant feedback, letting you know if you're on track or what you need to improve and fix. You can build the tools and cheat sheets, it, it's okay, we all use them, to help reinforce new ideas and keep things straight in your head. Join the millions of people learning to code with Codecademy and see where coding can take you. Get 15% off your Codecademy Pro membership when you go to codecademy.com and use promo code Android. That's promo code Android at codecademy.com to get 15% off Codecademy Pro, the best way to learn to code. C-O-D-E-C-A-D-E-M-Y.com. Promo code Android. Alrighty, so Russell, I have wanted to have you on to talk about some of this because, oh my goodness, there's there's so much cringe around Facebook becoming meta. And all of the announcements that we've been trying to digest for the last couple of weeks. So what is your best take on this? Because I'm sorry, but I just keep, I just have tons of memes flashing through my head and nothing else other than some of this sounds like a horrible idea. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I got that out of the way. Um, So here's, here's a couple, we're going to do this in, in three bullet points because otherwise I'll, I'll speak for the next hour and you'll all fall asleep. Um, there are three things here that are kind of my primary takeaways from the entirety of, of Facebook becoming meta. Um, the first is uh, a very high level. Uh, it doesn't actually matter. 
um, in that Facebook, the product, is still going to remain Facebook. So most people are never going to call Facebook the company meta in very much the same way that nobody refers to Google as Alphabet. Um, you know, it is uh, on, on that kind of extremely high level thing. Uh, no casual person walking down the street is going to ever refer to Facebook as meta. It's just not going to happen. Um the second thing is that uh, Facebook as a company, Meta as a company, um, has spent uh, an ungodly amount of money absorbing the virtual reality ecosystem uh, into this collective mass and then ruined it uh, for um, developers and for users and for, uh, for other companies. Um, it has spent an enormous amount of money to race to the bottom to make it impossible for other companies to release competing products. And then when companies do get close to releasing competing products, they legally threaten them to a point where they uh, are uncomfortable releasing those products out of fear of uh, not being able to deliver a supportive ecosystem while having a legal battle at the same time. Um, Facebook being in charge of, quote unquote, the metaverse uh, is the worst case scenario, and I genuinely hope Google gets off of its ass and does something about it soon. Um, the third point that I have here is uh, what we see as the metaverse as a concept right now is entirely nonsense. Uh, and the reason that it's entirely nonsense is because the people who have dreamt up the idea of uh, the metaverse um, when they were in their uh, late teens, early 20s, were spending a lot of time doing a lot of drugs and reading William Gibson novels. And that's what they've <laughs> cemented in their head as what the metaverse should look like. And William Gibson, the actual human writer, um, does not actually think that uh, that that's what the, the quote unquote metaverse should look like today. He wrote a fantasy story 25 years ago or longer, depending on which book you're reading. Uh, and that's that's not what it's going to look like now. So so we have a lot of people at Microsoft and Google and Meta and all of these different places uh, who all suffer from this same Silicon Valley drug binge uh, where they're just like, we're going to build virtual people and we're going to put them in an Internet. and You're going to have presence and do stuff. And that's not what anybody wants to do. Um you know, the, the act of being present uh, in, in a digital version of the internet we have now is stupid. Nobody actually wants to be the guy who stands next to Tron. Um, and we should stop trying that and should instead move towards the things where people actually accomplish things in a spatial way uh, and, and focus on that instead of trying to put digital versions of ourselves in, in you know, a thing that can have ads by Coca-Cola hovering over top of us at all times. Mm. Yeah, we, we don't want Ready Player One and we don't want Sword Art Online. There are versions of a quote-unquote metaverse that could work, but all the ones we have today are just, I'm sorry, they just sound like a bad anime. A really bad anime. It's not, so like the anime thing is actually a more modern uh, uh, invention where they have done things, they have improved on the initial concept that Gibson and his ilk had uh, in, you know, in the 80s and 90s. Um, and, in, you know, so like it's it's actually like Sword Art Online is actually in some ways an improvement on that terrible concept. They just made it a horror story at the same time. But if you look at the underlying tech, it's it's actually not as bad an idea. Um, but yeah, so, you know, it sucks, um, but it's it sucks, but it's also not as bad uh, as it could be. And um, it would be really nice if the other companies that are secretly working on hardware um, behind the scenes would stop being behind the scenes and would instead ecosystem build to compete with with Meta, the company. 
uh, because the ecosystem is going to be the thing that anyone cares about uh, when hardware starts getting released, and that's going to cause a lot of problems in about three years. Yeah. I'm going to backtrack to your first point real quick and say that no, people are going to, I know that nobody's going to confuse the like high overarching thing with Facebook and Meta. I don't care what the stock's called. No, I'm talking about products like for Oculus. Oculus as a brand is going away and it's just going to be called Meta. Yeah, but I mean, and Oculus as a brand has been going off. away for a long time. Like nobody, mm-hmm. call, nobody calls it the Oculus Quest anyway. It's called the Quest. Um, when you, when you hear people talk about what VR headset they have, they don't say, oh, I have the Oculus Quest 2 from Facebook. They say, oh, I have a Quest 2. So like even that's not going to really measurably change for most folks. Mm. And, and Oculus was a dying brand anyway. Like Facebook was going to absorb that and get rid of it. Like we knew that that was coming a long time ago. The mm. fact that they changed it to meta is just more milking so towards awful. my second point. So. <laughs> so awful. Like of all the names you could pick, you had to pick the one that already had was so oversaturated and you're never going to get a trademark on it. Well, so and that's even the thing, if you though, could, the SEO is just going to be wrecked. You, you have to keep in you have to keep in mind two things there. The first thing is that uh, the, the, it was the people at Facebook who are largely responsible for that saturation to begin with. Uh, so they're capitalizing on saturation that they helped create. Um, and and that's a that's a significant difference. And two, when you operate at the scale of Facebook, nobody gives a shit about SEO uh, because <laughs> yeah. your Facebook, uh, it, it doesn't matter. Well, I think All the right. whole idea is stupid and dangerous. It's just going to lead people to be more reclusive, associate with like minded people, lose their means to communicate with anyone else. And it's going to make the entire world worse the way Facebook presents it. That's why I'm glad that's not at all how it's going to be. That's a Facebook fever dream. And to your point, Russell, uh, I've been on many a drug-fueled binge, and even I couldn't come up with an idea this stupid. There's something more there. Well, you just you just got to get high and then also read Zeromancer. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question for you, Russell. So the metaverse as face is meta is being described as as meta or microsoft or many other startups is describing it feels at least in the short term just like spending more time in vr right socializing in vr working in vr doing stuff that like right now when i put on a vr headset it's to work out or to play games or to just hang out in rec room but like it's an explicit act and is the distinction here that in the morning instead of going to our desks and turning on our laptops and working with a keyboard we're just going to do the same thing in vr and spend more and more of our time in vr until you know at some point we spend um x number of hours like we look at our phone x number of hours is that the is that sort of the basic premise here or am i missing something about what facebook wants the metaverse to be no, that's that's pretty much exactly it. Um, you know, the 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 varying differences there being whether you do it through a, a a fully occluded VR headset that you put on, or you do it through an augmented reality headset that are that are you know in some mystical part of the future that does not exist yet because the hardware is not ready. Uh, a set of glasses um, that you can see through and and have that that kind of augmented reality experience. But but yes, to either um, set of of devices, the the goal here is to wake up. And put the headset on, and and that's the end. 
um, and, and strap you, yourself you to a chair and virtually run the bulldozer and hope the police don't come and get you when your pod loses power like that damn Amazon movie. I can't remember the name of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's essentially what you're looking at here is that is that uh, this company in particular, and they're not alone, um, envisions a world in which you just always have some form of headset on. Uh, and, and so you're, it has replaced your phone in the way that you are able to kind of communicate and do things. And, uh, the, the, the companies that feel like the answer to that is a set of glasses, um, have not thought through how to create the things that people do in VR right now that they enjoy doing gaming and exploring and, and that kind of thing through those glasses. Um, so you, you end up with these two essentially competing things where it's not even so much that you're wearing one headset is that you're wearing like two and maybe sometimes even three uh headsets so you're kind of switching between throughout your day um and and that is that is replacing your your phone and your computer and in some cases your your you know home entertainment center kind of all in one um and uh it, you know even as someone who deeply appreciates virtual reality that doesn't sound like a good time no it does not <laughs> yeah I, I guess it's i guess it's the um implicitness of like right now the the fact that we spent so much time with our phones is because the the psychological you know move towards replacing other time that we were spending doing other things with time that we're spending taking our phones out of our pocket and putting it back in our pocket right like it, at the beginning of that five, 10 years ago felt a bit more of like, of an explicit um, act. And now it's not, now it's just part of the way that we live our lives and free time is spent on our phones. And I do wonder, given what you said, right? The fact that if we have a pair of AR glasses that we just put on our face in the morning, it's not necessarily turned on but it's there waiting for us to engage with it. If that's really the ultimate metaverse goal for companies like Apple and Google, Facebook, whatever, is that, you know, it's like, okay, you have this canvas, you have this platform. Um, and, and I, the thing that troubles me is like, are you going to wear a pair of meta glasses? That's only going to connect to a metaverse, literally the metaverse. Or is it that you're going to have a pair of sort of gl glasses that are a bit more, you know, decentralized as, as Meta, as Mark Zuckerberg actually talked about, and being able to connect a Meta's version, I keep saying Meta, Facebook's version, Microsoft's version, whatever, right? Like an Android phone or an iPhone that has an underlying OS that then opens apps. And I don't think Facebook, the company, wants anybody else to kind of get in on its territory. It wants you to connect to the Facebook or meta version of their, you know, their virtual operating system. And that's what I'm concerned about is that we're just going to get ourselves into more of a platform hole than we are today. And it's not going to be the yeah. internet as we think of it. No, you're, you're exactly right. Um, so this is actually, you know, when, when Zuckerberg talked about having the ability to explore kind of other worlds, what, what he was referring to was people exploring other worlds created within, uh, you know, for example, uh, Facebook Horizons. 
um, you know, where, where, you know, people have built these things that you can go and do. Um, cause when he was talking about having this thing where anyone could come in and build a thing and, and you could go and jump from world to world, uh, you know, the, the follow-up question there was, oh, so are you going to integrate with things like Altspace VR or, you know, some, some of the other kind of existing super platforms for, for people building things? Uh, and th- no, that's not on their roadmap. Like that, that's not at all what they were talking about. So it was, it was, you know, a very, uh, in, uh, <laughs> very deliberately worded. Um, for for something that is very much a closed ecosystem uh, in in exactly the way that the the quest is right now and and you know there are some who say that you know the the quest isn't totally closed because you can uh, you can connect it via you know a port to a laptop and you can do stuff in Steam VR and and to those people I say because um, <laughs> it's it's only sort of true to begin with um, and it's it's an enormous amount of hurdle and nobody actually does it you know so it's um, the the openness of this is incredibly suspect uh, and and will almost assuredly be multiple closed ecosystems uh until one is is you know kind of dubbed the victor right oh god i'm thinking like hdd slash blu-ray wars on like a global multi-dimensional scale and that just not that, that doesn't sound pretty but this no, this and is... that's why I said what I said earlier about Google and Apple both are building these these uh, platforms kind of behind closed doors, um, and that's that's kind of a problem right now because uh, the the you know kind of the developers are all working with Facebook right now, um, and in if you know we get to a point in say a year and a half to two years where Apple and Google are both like, whoa, we've got these glasses, come build for our thing. You now have developers who are going to build for three platforms that are likely all going to be different. And I'm I'm sure as phone nerds, uh, that sounds familiar. Hmm. <laughs> um, yes, it does. So, yeah. And then like the, the next question I would have is, how does this integrate with Web3 and does it at all? And I don't know anything, I don't know as much about Web3 as I would like, but this whole idea of a, of a decentralized internet that has to come up in Zuckerberg's plan for integrating Facebook. You know, there, there's like a, the, the horizons uh, horizon as a standalone metaverse is one house and you walk out your front door and you have a few steps to the other house and you can open that front door and go into another Microsoft or alt space powered metaverse. Um, and it, as long as there are open standards used to connect those houses, I think that's probably okay. But something, as you mentioned, like I highly doubt that's going to be part of the roadmap from day one, or at least once one platform starts to dominate, as Facebook already does, that access might be cut off. And we'll have a situation where Twitter and Instagram don't talk to each other for nine years until they remember that they're not competing for the same customers. And that's my biggest concern is that Android feels open most of the time and you can do pretty much whatever you want, but Android is still getting, it's a lot more closed off than it was 10 years ago. And if these platforms start as closed off as Android and iOS are now on day one, it, it, like what hope is there for an open metaverse at all? It just feels, it just feels like those two, um, ideas don't ever and won't ever align yep it's uh it has the potential to be a very serious problem um and uh um you know there is a there is a conference happening this week um 
that was uh, headlined by uh, a bunch of the folks from Niantic, uh, who we all see as you know kind of the the Pokemon people. Um, but they're they've been for quite some time now building um, this really impressive augmented reality platform underneath of all of that stuff, um, not associated with a game. Um, you know, kind of this this underlying framework for what it would be like to give other you know groups the ability to kind of build. Uh, in spaces that are that are all around you, um, not attached to any piece of hardware. And I, I very much appreciate that approach. Um, but it's uh, it's also probably a couple of years away from being deployed in a way that, you know, a, a consumer can actually appreciate. Um, and even then, the way that I just explained it sounds incredibly abstract and, and you know, not great to visualize in an audible format. And I, I apologize for that. But um, that that's kind of the big challenge here with with all of this is you explain it to someone by showing it to them or by letting them do it themselves. Um, and there's there's really only one company doing that right now. And they just bought my favorite workout app, which oh, man. Yeah. makes oh, me very yeah. sad. I will also say. One fundamental thing with all of these platforms that is just kind of killing me, and Jerry, you and I talked about this last week, but the more time they want us to spend in VR, the more time they want us to spend living in whatever virtual world comes out of this or multiple virtual universe that comes out of this, because there's going to be more than one world, there's going to be more than one ecosystem. All of that is less time that you can spend in reality. Like, And for a lot of people, like, I have a two-bedroom apartment. I don't have a whole lot of room to move, even if I'm in VR. So that's just me standing or more likely sitting in a room doing nothing virtually as opposed to actually, like, going out in the world and trying to do things or trying to build things or trying to make things. So I, I feel like there's something fundamentally off about the version of the world and of human society that Meta envisions. If that makes sense. Uh, you know, the good and the bad is Russell started this by saying that what Facebook showed us and what Facebook's dreaming about now is no way in hell the way that this is going to happen. It just isn't. The, the, the maybe better news is that as consumers, we're the ones who get to dictate how it's going to happen based on what we're willing to spend our money on. Uh, and then again, that's bad news because we'll spend our money on whoever's first. It's just, it's, I, I don't think anybody has a clue what the things are going to be like 10 years from now. I just think Facebook is, keeps throwing it at the wall and something will stick. And that's a valid, you know, way to do your R&D in 2021. A lot of companies do it that way. Let's try everything. Yeah, I mean, especially if the whole time you're doing that R&D, uh, you're slurping up as much user data as possible. Yeah. Um, really, really fun. Yep. And by fun, I mean terrible fact about uh, all of the Oculus Quest devices is that um, every time you build a room scale map of of a space, um, Facebook has that data. Facebook knows yep. how big the play space is in your room and how often you move around in it and the the kind of obstacles that you clear out of the way in order to, to do those things because, you know, obstacle detection is a part of the, the boundary system. So, like, you, if you're regularly moving a coffee table out of the way and that shape is, is kind of constantly in there, uh, Facebook has that information and has that information for a lot of people now. Um, and so, like, having that, situation where where that that kind of constant background data is being slurped up 
um, is going to make it a lot easier for them to build stuff moving forward. And we know that because uh, that's how the Internet of today got built. All righty. So let, let's get out of this dark future and get back to the present and the year that has been just a complete and utter whirlwind. Can we all... 2021 is almost over because we're now almost halfway through the 11th month. So we have six weeks left of the year, which blows my mind. So it feels weird to bring it up this early, but also it's the middle of November and we're not getting any more new products at this point. Because if you were going to launch a product in 2021, you'd have launched it in October or at the very latest, the beginning of November. So that way you could actually buy it during the holiday shopping season because that is what retail centers around unless these days. you're sony you would have then announced it in june and finally started <laughs> shipping it at the end of november oh god <laughs> yeah i'll be sony. reviewing one of those yeah i'm trying to even remember which one that is is that the xperia one three or is the that one of the other ones the forty thousand dollar sony phone oh or that something. nonsense okay never mind mm, never mind <laughs> i think it's okay. like 1500 isn't it <laughs> i don't know it's, it's like it's way too much yeah yeah well that's because they're only planning to sell 500 of them yeah. Well, they're okay. going to make well, 500. They hope to sell three. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we know that that's not going to make this first category, but what y'all have all used a lot of phones this year. I've, I've used a fair couple, but um, what is the favorite phone of 2021 for y'all? Because I'm sure you have your, that basically nailed down for yourself by now because we're not getting any more new phones this year. And everything that we've had, you've either either you've tried it by now or you're not going to before the end of this year. So who has a favorite phone picked out already? I do. I know what mine is. And mine's not ahead, what Jerry. anybody thinks. It's the flip. Oh. Samsung, ah. Samsung figured it out. They made it affordable by foldable standards. It's thousand bucks, but you you won't pay a thousand dollars for it if you I mean, if you can find a an old you know, Palm Trio in a desk drawer somewhere, they'll give you 500 bucks for it. Uh, and and it's fun. Everyone that has one loves it. That's, yeah. yeah. Even that, that, you know, it's not for me, but I can still say it's my favorite device because of the improvements Samsung was able to make in such a short time and build the device that is universally loved. Okay, I'll admit, I, I haven't tried that one yet, and I I really, really want you, you to. You should. I, I've tried one, and it is, <laughs> it's great. It's a fun little phone. All right, Both hit of me Samsung's up this. foldables this year are a glorious celebration of what comes next, uh, whereas, you know, like the previous generations were like, well, maybe, but like Samsung's dead set on this now, and they've made so many improvements that like this generation of foldables is is very much a, a wonderful indicator of of what is to come. Um, my, my personal choice is, is the pixel six, but I, I can't disagree with Jerry. Like as far as like, if I want to point at something as what I think will be a lot more common in say two years, it's, it's definitely Samsung's flip for this year. Uh, well, while we're talking about it, yeah, that's, that was going to be mine as well. Um, the, you know, the thing is, uh, I think the fold three, uh, is, this has been the, the the case for three generations. You know, the Fold 3, I get more utility out of, I get more use out of. It affects me personally a little bit more. But the Flip 3 is my choice as well. And that's because it has. it is the device that has finally allowed me to share this joy 
uh, with other people, with friends and strangers and family, because everyone who sees it, everyone who sees any any foldable I carry asks about it. But this is the first time I've been able to say much like the Pixel. Yep, here's all the cool stuff. Here's all the stuff you want to watch out for. But also, it's not as much as it used to be. In fact, it's about as much as, you know, an iPhone or pick a generic phone. And and, and Jared, to your point, yeah, I got mine for free when I traded in an old device uh, to T-Mobile. Like, I paid $0 for my Flip 3. Yeah, my, and my, my wife's not here and she doesn't listen, so I can say it. I'm getting her one for Christmas and it's going to cost me 199 bucks. See, right, exactly. And I'm, just to be able to, to spread uh, the good word of foldables to, to, to further and wider is really, really great. And uh, the Flip 3 has done more for that than anybody else. Maybe that's why Samsung is so willing to give you so much money on a trade-in because the, the more had, they are out to put there. more in there. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. More you, people got to touch them. More, more people see it and more people will want the next generation. Hopefully they use the uh, added revenue from that to get a new formula for ultra-thin glass. So we don't have to worry about them breaking with for no reason uh and adding some new cameras in there because that was my only real holdout with the flip three is that it had the cameras from last year's model yeah they're but they're not as bad as they're they're not bad cameras i don't think regular consumers care as much about cameras as people who know you know what they always jerry you're 100 right because they always say the same thing to me we always talk about these phones because i'm always having them out and routinely they will say, oh, well, it's Samsung, so I know the photos are going to be great because Samsung has the most saturated OLED panels out there and they're always cranked up to 100% brightness. And even if it's not a great photo, it looks better on a Samsung display <laughs> than a more accurate one sitting next to it. Family friend has an A72 and they just recently got it. They are amazed at how great the camera is on that. Exactly. A, yep. a phone reviewer has panned that camera and and based on you know the best, the cream of the crop, it's you know, it's not as good in, in any measurable way. But I think the people that are actually spending their own money and buying phones, it's more than good enough. And I think the power of good enough. Yep. The people that bought the Flip 3 probably love the camera. The cameras are OK, but I, I use the cameras for work, so I need it to be good. And, and, and you know how good a camera can be. You have an unfair yes. advantage. We all do. Yes. Yes, we do. But. The, f- the flip three, especially those fun colors. Oh, and yeah. Bespoke. So many fun cases. Just all like writing, even just writing the collection for the Galaxy flip, uh, Z Flip 3 cases was just so fun because I was like, oh, look at those colors. Look at the shapes. Look at all of the straps and the rings <laughs> and the accessories. It's beautiful. It's 100% right. I hate cases as a rule, but the cases for the flip are so much fun. It's it, incredible. All righty. So, does anybody have a different one? Because that means Jerry and that means Fisher. Who else? Well, I I think I'm going to go with, like, okay, so this is a norm core desi- like, choice, but I think the S21 Ultra has been my overall favorite phone of the year um, in the sense that, like, I've used it almost every day since I bought it in, when was it, February? It's just been like a workhorse. It has never given me any trouble. It takes great photos 98% of the time. It's super fast. The screen's beautiful. Like, it just works. It's a great overall phone. I think I enjoy using the Pixel 6 more, but part of it could just be that it's newer. It's got the cool Android 12 features and it's, you know, Material U. Um, And I love the Z Fold 3. I think it's like a technical marvel. But just like 
for, as like straight up phone releases go, I really don't think you could go wrong with the S21 Ultra. And I just love it. I think overall, I've, I've had a, I've had the best experience with it overall this year. Um, so that's like my phone choice. I, I want to throw in there too that for me, the the phone for Jerry uh, is the Fairphone Four. That damn thing. If it just was sold in the U.S. to work with U.S. 5G networks, it would be the phone I used every day. Yeah, I enjoyed be- your piece on that. Not not because there's anything special about the phone itself. It's uh, you know it it's the company ethos, the sustainability, repairability. This is a phone that I could keep for five years because if something goes bad, it's easy for me to fix. But this is the phone that anyone could keep for five years because anyone could fix it. The warranty's great. I think that's something that has just been so missing from all these devices we see every year. And I love the company for what they've done. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a legit, like, it, it, it looks good on the industry. They make the industry look yes look good. And I, I appreciate that. I, I hope they can make a meaningful change in the industry. I have my doubts, but I can always wish. I mean, I'm always going to hope for more repairable phones just because the longer my parents can keep a phone, the happier both they and I am. Uh, <laughs> but I, I need them to be better phones first. Like, getting a sustainable phone should not mean being stuck on two-year-old hardware. In every sense, well, uh, in every shape and way. If two-year-old hardware is good enough, though. Yeah, I, I think in 2021, that's probably not a big deal. I mean, the, the yeah. Fairphone 4 is basically the Pixel 5 built by a different company. <laughs> and could you use a Pixel 5 in 2023? If so, you could use a Fairphone 4 in 2023. And, you know, and, and everybody's different. I, I can also picture myself in 2023 saying, damn, I wish I had a new phone. So, you know, I'm not immune to that, too, but I just really like what the company's trying to do. I want my phones to last for as long as possible. Like, granted, all of my current phones were either purchased by work or are review units that haven't been asked for back yet. But if when I buy a phone and when I help buy phones for my family, my top concern is, okay, how long will they be able to use this phone? Because they're not going to want to buy a new phone anytime soon. And I'm not going to want to help them go through this again anytime soon. Because whenever I have to do with anybody, they end up liking me a little bit less afterwards. Because <laughs> yeah. no phone is perfect and they blame me. <laughs> so I am I want phones to last longer, which is part of why I'm so happy that Samsung phones are getting four years of security updates and Pixel phones are going to start getting five years of security updates. I I love phones that can last longer, especially now that we've hopefully for the most part most of us have broken out of the oh we update our phones every two years at our carrier and i'm i'm sure that's not true i'm sure there are more people that still like go into a store every two years whenever their current deal is up and see what phones are available yeah yeah that's that's why t-mobile sends me a text to be clear very few people uh go and see what phones are available. They've, they've made up their mind by the time they go in. There's There's been an enormous amount of market research. People don't switch platforms anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the notion that like, oh, this might be the year I switched to iPhone. Like that doesn't, that doesn't have, the battle lines have been drawn. And like there's there's a lot of evidence to suggest it now. 
Which is another reason I think it's really critical for the, to, not to talk about the flip again, but just, and foldables in general, I think it's whoever's making them definitely has a ticking clock because when Apple finally decides to make them, there's going to be a massive reduction in the first mover advantage. And I mean, that it, it is brought up all the time when, when my Samsung is out that people are like, holy, oh my God, I really want that. Oh, but wait, I'd have to lose iMessage, right? And I'm like, yep. And they're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. But, but they are tempted in a way that they haven't been for anything else I've carried in years. Yeah. Alrighty. So we have the Fairphone, we have the Galaxy Z Flip 3. Fisher, you went with the Flip 3 as well, right? Or do you have a proper choice alongside it? No, that was going to be my choice. I just didn't talk fast enough. Damn it, Gary. <laughs> uh, I Alrighty. win. <laughs> Russell, how about you? Pixel 6 is definitely my favorite of the year, but I do have a deep appreciation for what, what is happening in foldables right now. Yeah, that's that was going to be mine, too, because like I the flip three looks great. I still know that I'm hard enough on my phones that it it can't be my favorite because it's I it's still too fragile for me. It's also for the, the people that I would favorite. recommend phones for. It's also what? <laughs> it's yeah, also it's also the ground's <laughs> favorite. It's also Sans favorite phone, because once a beat or two of that gets in there, it is never getting out and it is going to scratch everything to shit. I don't. That's not. I think that's quite overstated when it comes to the flip three i've really i have three of them i've beaten them up uh you know the the biggest risk you run with the flip three other than it's self-destructing is you leave <laughs> it out like an idiot like you leave it out open and then your cat scratches it which actually did happen to somebody on reddit so like close the thing when you're done with it and it'll probably be fine unless you go to the beach don't go to the beach why would you leave your well no, never mind that that's a bad question to ask you just <laughs> finished saying that sand in it is overhyped and then you say don't go to the beach which is it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well jerry i'll get back to you on that i got to talk to my people and uh <laughs> my branding experts is this on the background RS. or is this on the record uh, yeah right yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was a great read <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. actually, uh, i actually i just want to be clear i absolutely 100 percent agree with that post and eli I'm very yep. glad he wrote it. Oh, yeah. Neela did a great job there, yeah. It's a little bit of insight into part of the, the stupid struggles of having a job like this. Mm-hmm. I look forward to looking up what you're talking about. I love PR people, but yeah, there's there's a lot of nonsense when it comes to sourcing and on background and stuff. And I'm happy that some people are, I'm happy that he's willing to talk about it. I'm happy that he's willing to make a stand for it for The Verge. So that was that was good. But uh, Russell, we've already we've already talked extensively about the Pixel 6, but what helps set it over the top for you? Oh, it's it's, it's really just the the software like it it, it is. I love um, how much work Google has put into making Android uh, mine. Um, if if I pick up uh, Bader's Pixel 6 to do something because my phone has slipped into the, the, you know, the void and I need to make a phone call. Uh, his phone is going to feel alien to me. Uh, and, and not just because he's got icons in different places. Um, you know, the, the phone will be personalized in, you know, two dozen different ways for the way that he uses the phone. Uh, and, and it will make recommendations to him entirely based on those experiences. And, and it will be a, uh, a very different experience from what my phone will look like. And I massively appreciate that. Daniel's um, phone would be full of shortcuts to Tim Hortons and recipes for booting. No, no. It's, and pictures uh, of his, <laughs> of his kid. It's uh, what's it called? Tim. Um, oh man. It, 
depending on how I get back to you on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it really like I, I very much appreciate the the hardware there. I love what they did with the uh, the camera. I love the just kind of the overall feel of the phone. I don't get the weird complaints about the bezel on the, the Pixel 6 versus the, the 6 Pro, but I, I've never kind of understood people complaining about bezels. So that's that's just kind of me. Um, the but yeah, the phone feels like it it's mine. Um, and and that's that's a that's a big deal to me. Tim Biebs. Tim Biebs. Tim Biebs. <laughs> it's uh, Tim Bits collaboration with Justin Bieber that was uh, announced today. Tim Biebs. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy. You live in a weird Enjoy country, Enjoy America, because this is what Canada gave you. Jerry, we, we, we can't call Canada weird, man. Yes, like we You can. live in West Virginia, and I live in Florida. We're weird. <laughs> we are so much weirder than they are. Like, it's not a contest. I want to go, but we'd win. I want to go back to one thing Russell said, because I agree with it completely about how well Google has found a way for the phone to become yours, both through the things you actively do and the things it automatically does. I want that because a lot of that is data. Google is collecting about you. And some of it's done on the phone. If I pick up another pixel and sign into it, so much of that has to be learned over again. That that's to me is the next step. Google used that data to make my Pixel 7 be just like my Pixel 6 was, and then allow me to change anything that I think could be better. Because I, I've seen some complaints, especially like the sharing menu on the Pixel 6. People say that, you know, the Pixel 5 with Android 11 was so much better. It's the same damn sharing menu. It just hasn't yes, it learned is. anything from you yet. Right. And and that could be improved, and Google has the capabilities to do that, and I hope they do. Yeah, no, that having to relearn, especially like after you've used the transfer tool. Like when I set up the Pixel 6, I did the I did the full transfer thing from the Pixel 5, like plugged the phones into each other, logged into all of my accounts again, and then just let it go and copy everything over. But even though it copied all of my apps and it copied a bunch of my app data and my phone and my pictures and my music and all that other stuff, it didn't take any of the adaptive or the algorithmic, like it didn't take anything it learned from me. Right. From the old phone to the new phone. And while I get that, some of that just needs to stay on device. If you're going to plug your old phone into your new one, it should be able to transfer. Right. The, the thing that really showed me that was when I first set it up, because I did the same thing, except from a Pixel 4 which, oh, that was an ordeal trying to keep that Pixel 4 alive long enough to transfer. I I had to, it, it had to relearn the apps I used to work for adaptive battery. Why? You already know this. Whether it's in the cloud or on the device, that data was already there, and that's something that Google needs to fix. Keep Keep our phones, you know, personalization, Keep it as part of our our data package. Thank you for reminding me, Jerry. I just went in and set YouTube Music to be unrestricted and to not clear the app or clear any of its data data for optimization purposes. Because I never ever ever want my phone to shut off my music app ever again. I have put up with way too much of that in the last five years, and I am not for it anymore. It's 2021. Things have changed. But yeah, also the software on the Pixel Six is just so wonderful. Because beyond I love Material U, like I've been a themer for longer than I've been an Android fan. And I just love 
the customization and how you can really make Android your own, even if you're not going to, you know, build your own custom ROM and throw it on your phone. Android 12 and Material U allow you to instantly make a phone personal. All you need to do is set a wallpaper and add a couple of widgets and you're done. And the phone and the phone will look cohesive. It'll look professional and it'll look like you want it to. And that's amazing. We have come so far since the days of gingerbread and everything being the same hollow charcoal and blue. It's it's beautiful. I love it. But I also love the the pixel features that don't get mentioned. Well, I mention them as often as I can, but it's the little things like the call screening. It's the little things like the spam and detection for Google Messages, which I really wish that it would stop notifying me, but at least I know, oh, hey, you're catching like four or five spam texts a day now because apparently they've moved on from just calling you. Oh, uh, yeah, the texts are great. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't you want to donate to the re-election 2024 fund? Oh, I no, have, no, no, I, these I, are not... <laughs> I get those. I almost got myself in trouble with some of those spam texts because I had a uh, I had an indoor bike being delivered, and for (laughs) uh, for three days I was getting text messages from spammers that were like, "Hey, you didn't like you didn't pick up your package, and or your package was attempted to be delivered and it didn't make it." And I'm like, "Oh man, did I miss my bike?" Uh, And and then I would have to like be very careful with the link and not actually touch it. But yeah, it was uh, it it (laughs) almost got me there. At least all might have been the simple ones like saying, oh, hey, you have a free thousand dollar gift card. Yeah, no, I don't. Mm. Yeah, they're, they're getting smarter. The the scammers are uh, especially with some of the texts. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, even the things like the the pixel recorder is something I wish I had that wish I wish that Google had offered that six or seven years ago because it's amazing. But even just this, the more like the simple things with Google, just it keeps things it's pleasant. I don't have to get tons of stuff out of the way. Like whenever I set up a Samsung phone, I have to I have to go and disable like five or eight different apps immediately. Assuming I could even uh, and that's assuming I could stop like eight or 10 more from getting downloaded in the first place. With Google, yeah, a lot of this could be uh, a number of these could be considered bloat by other users who use like Microsoft or use Apple. But it's just the Google services that are essential and then everything else I have to download. Like, it doesn't even come with Google Keep. I have to go download that. So it it keeps things simplified at first and then allows it to morph into whatever I need it to be, not what Google wants it to be necessarily. No, oh, that's thanks to regulators. You know, Google would want every single one of their apps as a separate icon on the front of your phone if they could get away with it. Mm. Yeah. But hey, at least it doesn't come with uh, Google Play Music and YouTube Music anymore. Or or Bixby. That's just... Scourge of our times. Yeah. Yes, it is. Alrighty, so we spend a lot of time on that, so I'm going to try and get through the next three of these more quickly. But um, favorite laptop or tablet from 2021? Because we, we've had a number of them. And I, I'm willing to go first if I need to, just because y- y'all know mine's going to be a Chromebook. But... Um, I was wondering if anybody actually had a, if they had a tablet they preferred over a laptop this year. I'll go first again because I like to start trouble. The new, <laughs> the new iPad Mini. That is, well, that's above that's and beyond less egregious than uh, what I was going to go. With. <laughs> that is the. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, I know everyone listening to this presumably loves Android. Uh, if you're going to buy a tablet this year, don't be a dummy. Buy an iPad Mini. 
Yes, it's a separate ecosystem. Yes, you're going to have to buy apps again. Not too many, but you're going to be so happy in the end. It's everything you wanted an Android tablet to be, but better. I had a, a, a mostly positive experience with that thing, yeah. Yeah. For the iPad mini, I agree. For like smaller tablets that it's just like a con- content consumption device, iPad has done better than Android. I will say for larger tablets, I've I've been so happy with the tablets that have come out in the last year for Chrome OS. And seriously, if if you're going to buy a tablet for Black Friday for like your kids, Lenovo has the 10 uh the 10 Chrome OS tablet for 110 bucks and that's going to get updated until June 2028 and it'll run Android apps and it can run the full Chrome browser so your kid could theoretically actually use it for school and they can sell it to you with the rugged eyes ready for anything case for not a whole lot of money. Do you think that's better for kids than what Amazon's selling? Mm. See, that's always been a tough call for me. Uh, you know, I, I that depend if you can get the Amazon Free Time app on it, then yes. And I think the Amazon Free Time app is available through Google Play. Because my granddaughters are both very young, so uh, the Amazon stuff is a little bit better for them. But I'm thinking, you know, five years from now, is that still going to be better, or are they better off with a Chromebook? And and I can't ever come to a concrete conclusion there. Well, the Amazon Kids app is available for Chromebooks, so I'm going to guess that so long as you can, so long as the kid just opens the app, uh, so long as you open the app for the kid, I think it'll be pretty good. But for, li- for like the little ones, like three to six, I think Amazon Fire is great. Once you're yeah. into actual like first grade, second grade, third grade, and that, then yeah, the Chrome OS would be better. That's where my granddaughters are at right now. So I, I definitely felt good about getting them, you know, fire tablets for kids or whatever the hell they're called. But, you know, those don't last forever. And I just, you know, have been thinking about what to do next. So I just wanted to hear what you thought. Mine is the total opposite of of, of all of that. It, it wants you to spend so much screen time on it that it has more than one screen. Uh, <laughs> it is the uh, Ze- Zephyrus Pro Duo from Asus or Asus, if you like. The absolute monster of a gaming machine that I called an excellent laptop for a terrible year when I reviewed it uh, earlier. Uh, just if you're if you were going to be stuck at home like we were for a long time, even if you just spend a lot of time there because now you work from home, man, two screens packed into one laptop is great for work. It is really great for gaming um, and it only costs like five thousand dollars. So just go for it. You know what I mean? Trade oh in your God. car and it's fine. Now, there are trims Ugh. below that level, but I mean, you know, if you want to spec it out with a 3080 or whatever. Uh, but I, I genuinely love Asus. Asus's, I will never know how to pronounce it right in the first go. Uh, I love Asus. their entire, entire array of dual screen laptops. You can, even if you just want it for productivity, you can get it with an integrated GPU and the ZenBook Pro Duo. And those things are like uh, 1500 bucks. I mean, they're much cheaper. So. Love them all, but the Zephyrus Pro Duo is my official choice. And now I have a video to go watch. You're making <laughs> me second guess my measly four hundred twenty nine or four ninety nine, whatever it was I spent in the iPad Mini. Should Just I spend five thousand dollars on on no. on the Fisher yeah. tablet? It's a it's got, laptop. That's not a, ta- well, that's yeah, a laptop. It's it's got two screens. I can have Michael Fisher on one screen all the time. Oh man, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, Vader, Russell, what do y'all got? 
Uh, my tablet of this year is the uh, 2021 Kindle Paperwhite. Nice, um, nice, nice. Because uh, no matter how many times I try to pick up an iPad or an Android tablet or some or my phone to read a book, uh, it is it is never the experience that I want. I have always been a Paperwhite fan. The one from this year is really, really nice. Uh, it does some really good kind of color blending for whatever environment you're in. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that's where all my books are. So I can I can kind of bring it with me anywhere. And, and when I have both of my hands on that thing, I do not have a hand on my phone, which means I'm not paying attention to everything that's happening inside of the nightmare rectangle. So big fan of it. <laughs> the only problem I know of with paper whites is they last so long. I, I don't have any reason to even think about buying a new one. The one I bought three years ago still works great. Aha. Battery still holds See, the charge. I had to get the new one because the last one got run over by a car when it fell out of my bike bag. Ah. Oh. Maybe Biking I'll does not treat you nicely, Russell. Yeah, I could uh, convince my wife. is an expensive hobby for so many reasons. <laughs> Darling, I swear it fell out of my bag. It's got run over. <laughs> <laughs> Let me find a new one. <laughs> um, I'm I'm passing on this one because I have not used a tablet this year that I like. The only thing that I would say is the app, the tablet app that I've liked the most using on my Z Fold 3 is Libby, which is uh, just the best. And I discovered it this year. It's a an app that connects to your local library and lets you um, borrow eBooks, but it has an an interface that's not the worst. Uh, so I've read a ton of books on Libby this year, uh, which is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Peter, go buy an iPad Mini. Trust me. No, no, I, no not I, if you already have a Fold. I can't. Yeah, I, I love it. the Fold as a tablet. It's just, it's great. Alrighty. Well, mine. Yeah, it's it's going to be a Chromebook, but it's probably not the one you expect. Um, the one that I've loved the most is the Asus uh, Chromebook Flip Five Thirty Six, and. It's the first 15-inch Chromebook that I've actually used for a second longer than the review period. Because I hate big laptops. Wait, but a 15-inch tablet? No, no, no. This was laptop or tablet. Oh, this was oh, okay. tablet or okay, laptop. Okay, That's part okay. of why Fisher picked a $5,000 laptop, guys. All mm-hmm. right. I just thought he was just being Fisher. No, <laughs> I, I said both of them. I was actually kind of shocked that nobody said one of the new MacBooks, but I'm happy. Um, yeah, no, for me, it's been the Asus Flip 536 because even though it's huge, it's been perfect for work. And granted, it's big enough that I want to leave it at home and not take it anywhere to actually go work like in the parks or something. I'll take something smaller for that. But when I'm home, it's just so perfect for getting whatever I need done while keeping all my distractions to a minimum. And since it's a Chromebook that's big enough to have a number pad, it's easy for me to like put in my PIN or put in payment information or put in prices or whatever. It's just nice and easy. And it it started at $569, but it's down to $400. And that's the second or third time that that's happened in like the last month. And I just having a Chromebook available like this for $400, even if it's a like twice a month sale, is freaking phenomenal. I love it. So you had me at number pad. <laughs> Same. Alrighty. So gonna keep this to a last one because I know that some of us need to actually get back to work. I'm sorry about that, guys. Uh so favorite earbuds this year. And I want to start with Bader, because I'm sure you've played with oh, all of them. Oh, 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 I have a good one. Um the Soundcore Liberty 3 Pro are the best earbuds you can buy right now. They are incredible. 
They are comfortable. They sound great. They have very good act noise canceling. They are inexpensive. Uh, and they charge wirelessly and have water resistance. The only gripe I have is that they are slightly bigger than I would have liked, but they're still smaller than the 2019 versions. Uh, still, the best value for high-end earbuds on the market today, period. Full stop. End of story. That's my recommendation. Are they are they smaller than my Sony XM4s oh, yeah, yeah. that I they're fell like in love with this the, spring? They're like half the size of the XM4s, but they're still pretty, like they'll stick out of your ear noticeably as opposed to, you know, like a stem-based earbud or like a Galaxy Buds 2 or something. Uh, you'll notice them, but they're worth it. 100%. Okay. Because I've never been able to get a pair of stem earbuds to actually play nice with me, but... The XM4s have actually fit my ears, which was impossible considering how freaking big they are. But for $280, they sound freaking amazing. AMC is amazing. I wear them all the time. In fact, I've, I'm waiting to set up a replacement set right now because I do not know what I did, but the touchpads just went screwy with my first pair about a month and a half ago, and I've been trying to figure out what's wrong with it for a month before getting another pair sent. So I've, I've just been loving the Sony XM4s. I never thought I would be saying, yes, it's worth buying $280 earbuds. But yes, these are worth every penny. And I really hope they get a good deal on Black Friday. So that way I can recommend them to family members. So, Jerry, have you actually played with any earbuds this year or no? Are you still an over-ear guy? Uh, yeah, but not, not, I mean, anything that is really relevant. I... I like the the Shure SE four twenty fives. They're wired. They're not designed to use with your phone, but they give you that thousand dollar sound from the eight forty six model for just like two hundred fifty bucks. So you know if you were looking for a thousand dollar set of earbuds and you're that crazy, you can get them for you know that sound. Not that the quality is not the same, but. The sound quality is the same, and it's only 250 bucks only. And, yeah, I only use them when I'm playing guitar. That's the only use I have for earbuds. Okay, makes sense. Russell, how about you? I actually haven't used new earbuds this year. Uh, I use bone conduction headphones when I'm working out, and uh, anywhere, anywhere else I'm usually using uh, on-air, uh, on-ear headphones. Um, so I don't, uh, I, don't, I don't have a recommendation. I'm pretty boring. Okay. That's how do I should have went. You're smarter than me. I was going to say, do you, do you have a pair of bone conduction headphones that you really like? Because I've been meaning to try that. I do, yeah. So the only company that really makes uh, good ones right now is a company called Aftershocks. Um, and the, the good kind of mid-range price one that you can get for for pretty much any situation are called the Aeropex uh, headphones. Um, they're, they're good wraparound, they're waterproof uh, down to about 25 feet. You can actually swim with them. I have. Uh, and and still be able to to listen to music and stuff. Um, and they're you know all of the everything resistant. Um, they charge magnetically, uh, which which I really appreciate. And uh, the uh, manufacturer actually on purpose includes two chargers in the box uh, because it is a proprietary charger, and uh, that is huh. how you roll. That's nice. Uh, that is in, nice. In, it, it knows yeah. your phone won't come with one, so it just throws exactly. an extra one in there. Yep. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's a nice setup, and uh, it comes with a handy little carrying case. Uh, it actually also comes with a set of earplugs uh, for if you uh, need to use them on places in places like airplanes and stuff like that. Um, if you're just the kind of person who can't have um, you know certain kinds of things in your ears, 
uh, for extended period of time. These are like really soft, squishy kind of fill um, earbuds. Um, I don't recommend using them on airplanes because, uh, you know, get actual headphones. Um, but, uh, if you're, if you're planning on working out and doing stuff and you just want to still hear the world around you, they are the best podcast headphones I have ever owned. Hmm. Alrighty. Those sound really cool. I might have to suggest those to my mother. Uh, Fisher, have you had yeah. fun with any of the earbuds this year? No, I, you know, I don't like earbuds, but I, I, I use the Galaxy Buds 2 for most of the wrong reasons. Uh, the sound quality is fine. <laughs> Uh, but I like them because they match, they pair very effectively with two of the three phones I use uh, all the time. Um, they also charge wirelessly. They are very small in the pocket. And while they are very bad for phone calls, because everyone tells me my mic quality is absolutely terrible when I'm talking to them, uh, they are lavender, which matches my Flip 3. <laughs> and, you know, for $100, that's what's important, right? Yeah, it it is. That, that lavender from the Flip 3 is actually very, very beautiful. I it love is. it. Alrighty, so I'm sorry for keeping y'all late. We we kind of have to get back to work, so we're gonna wrap this up real quickly. It was lovely to have all of you on back. I hope we can do this more often, maybe, because it it's nice to have more outside voices here that are also, you know, the family. Yeah, so that was great. It, Thanks for having thank me. Thank you, thank you all for being. Yeah. On, thank you all for coming on here. Uh, I really hope we can get in a Rob next time. Feel better, sir. I know that you have been going through a bit. Um, so you can find me at Wagco. You can find Jerry at GB Hill. Fisher, which Twitter handle do you want to pimp this time? Let's do Captain Two Phones for now. Captain the number two phones and uh, the Mr. Mobile on YouTube. Alrighty. And then Russell Holly is Russell Holly on Twitter. And Bader is Journey Dan. Been a while since I've got to hear that Twitter handle. <laughs> um, so thank you all for coming on our 550th episode. This is been a big one. This is a nice milestone. I hope I ha- can have you all back at 600 sometime next year. Looking but until forward. then, enjoy your weekend, month, what is time at, during this time of year. Um, and have a good one, everybody. Bye. Bye. See you later. Adios. Great to hear y'all.